everybody. Good to have you with us today. Good to have you if you're a newcomer, if you're a guest. Really glad you decided to stop in. We hope it's just the first of many times you'll be with us if you're watching online. As always, we welcome you. We'd love to see you in person here soon as well. Uh, we believe that this is a series that we're in now that could not only change your life, but really change the lives of, of your kids and grandkids and all these future generations to come. And it starts with this idea that we believe every single one of you want something better for your kids, for your, your generations to come after you, that you want to leave them better off because of the life that you've lived. And so last week we talked about leaving this legacy that can last, that you recognize you can't be the real hero that your kids need because we're not strong enough for that. You, to leave a lasting legacy, we need to be stronger than that. And we got to point them to the one who is. And so it may be that we're heading in the wrong direction. And to course correct that, we saw that you got to start with the end and give them a bigger story. The idea that when you, you, when you begin to fast forward and you think ahead to how you want them to turn out, what, what kind of person do I want them to become? The fog begins to lift and you begin to map out the route to get there. And if you missed last week's talk, you can watch it online, you can listen to the podcast. But once we know the end that we're heading toward, and we're heading in the right direction, we need some rules in order to get there, right? We need some road rules. And you, like if you're going on a family vacation, you've, done, you've been on a vacation with the kids in the car, right? Have you, have you been brave enough to do that? Uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, you start out with these visions of this wonderful place that you're going to and the, the tremendous bonding moments you're going to share on the road. But, man, everybody's tired and bored and stressed out, and they just want to get there. My wife especially, Penny, she, she just wants to get there. No stops, man. But I like, I like to stop and enjoy the road, you know, meaning I like to get lots of snacks along the way. Uh, but... You know, you, you, you're, you're having a difficult time, especially back in the days before you could, you know, bring an iPad with you. You know, you had no, no TVs for the kids or anything. I mean, you really roughed it back then. The destination was exciting, but the trip could be pretty rough. And that's, that's just life. Years ago, um, my family and I were driving down into the Florida Keys for what we hoped would be a wonderful vacation. So um, we, we found a brochure for this little nature scenic trail hike thing. Said that'll be fun, it's free. So we, we did that, uh, thinking it wouldn't take that long based on the map, but once we got into it, it was taking forever. To, and it's hot and it's sunny, and my six-year-old and my 13-year-old, they are not having a good time on this trail. And uh, everybody is very thirsty. And obviously, I'm not the first one ever not to bring water on a, on a hike, right on a trail. Because right there in the middle of nowhere, there's this vending machine of water. And my, water, my wife, she thinks this is like a miracle of God. My family begins hugging this vending machine. But let's just say I'm known for being frugal. And... Those waters were like $2 a piece. That's crazy. And I said to them, you know, we've got bottled waters back in the car. Let's just keep going. Let's just say there was a minor uprising, and I became the enemy, and I relented and bought the waters because I would rather lose a few dollars than to lose my family. We kept going down to the very southernmost point 
of the continental United States down to Key West, Florida. And if you do that, you have to go to this marker, this big concrete monument marker that says, you are at the southernmost point, and you have to get a picture with that. It's just what you do. But it's a long trip, and again, my kids are tired. They've, they've enough photos already. We arrive there, and my six-year-old, Thomas, he is not having any of this. He does not want to get out and get any more pictures. So we're cajoling him. We're encouraging him. I think we're bribing him. Whatever we can. you got to get out. we got to take this picture. <sighs> he wasn't moving, man. He was mad. And so I did what any loving father would do. I made him get out of the car because we have to get this photo. And so here it is. I want to show you the photo. It's a real keepsake memory there. Good, good memories from that, from that trip. So uh, can you, you see how happy we're, we all are on this trip? I got the picture, but really I lost his heart, you know, for a moment. In both cases, I thought I was being a good dad, but I was really kind of being a jerk, I guess. And we can end up fighting the wrong fights. And you think you're winning, doing the right thing, but actually you're losing. And maybe you felt like that in your home. Maybe you're going through it right now. You're, you're fighting with your kids or your, your parents or you're, you're having a battle at work, at school, uh, someone online, uh, some other person that you're focused so much on winning the argument that you're actually losing the person. You're losing their heart. You're losing your friend or your kid or your spouse. Listen, uh, you can be going to the most wonderful destination. You're heading to the greatest place on earth, but that doesn't mean everybody wants to go with you, right? When, when children are little like that, uh, they're 100% dependent on you. Um, when they grow up a little bit more, you know, and they're toddlers, they begin to trust you. 100% trust and that stage is only temporary, right? It's just a phase they go through where they completely are dependent and trust you. Watch.
girls getting older every week. We're in this series, man. It's just a reminder of how temporary this all is. We, we only have so many days. And I showed you last week this container of uh, cinnamon fireball candy, right? And said that this has 936 pieces of candy because each one of these fireballs represents a week of life that you have with your child from birth till graduation, 936. I think that's what's still in here. I heard somebody might have gotten into it and maybe turned me into a liar, but I, I'm going to still say 936 weeks is all you have to build into your child. And that sounds like a lot, but it it's, goes by quick. That's 25% of your life expectancy if you're a typical American. And if you aren't careful, you can spend all of those weeks building the wrong thing and, or building in the wrong direction. And we want to make sure that you're, you're winning in this and, and building in the right way, that you're mapping out a route that's going to get them to the place that they're going to go. Because you can, you can map out this route and have the best of intentions, the best rules, the best principles and knowledge, and yet you can still completely lose their heart along the way if you're not careful. It's easy to be so hyper-focused on, on them learning um, my trust. You know, wanting, I want them to earn my trust instead of building trust with them, right? I want them to follow my rules, do it my way so that um, I can trust them. And then, you know, I'll be more lenient or whatever the bargaining is going on there. But what I need to focus on is building trust into them. And that's, that's assuming that they trust me, right? And when they're little, that's not an issue. But as they get, grow older, we might take that for granted, we might assume that they still trust us, but somehow we've, we've begun to lose their trust along the way. We get into those teen years, and that's when they become those distant people who are living as strangers under the same roof with us. You see, uh, when I fight for their hearts, I prove that I can be trusted, and that is the kind of trust that stands the test of time. That's le leaving a legacy. Listen, rules are they can be good. We need rules. But rules don't last long. They don't stand the test of the time because rules change as they grow up. And what I want to do is I want to give them a bigger story, one that they can take with them, one that they're going to be able to one day pass along to their kids. So I'm going to fight for their hearts. And last week we pointed out that we need, to, we need to show them the true hero, the superhero for our families and friends. We need to point them to Jesus the only one who can really do that for them, who, who, you know, when I'm not around, the one that will be with them through all of this. And we want to fight for their hearts like Jesus fought for our hearts. He showed us how to do this. And I want to give you a quick condensed version of his story. And it really goes all the way back to the beginning, right? Because Jesus is God. And so <clears throat> he creates the world, including man and woman, puts them in the garden, tells us there in Genesis a couple of interesting things. First, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So he created them unique. Uh, they were the only ones who bore the image of God. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that interesting? Did you realize God's walking in the garden? Took on some sort of form to hang out with them. And, but then they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So th this God who creates all of the galaxies of the universe, he's just hanging out with them in the garden. 
but they begin to hide because they had done the very thing he said not to do. They had broken the rule, right? And so they're like the two-year-olds who play hide-and-seek, right? Saying, I can't, you can't find me, you can't find me. You, you know, that's what they are. We're God, I'm going to hide from God. Even when they're in trouble, though, and they're hiding from him, God pursues them. He goes after their heart because he still loved them. He still wanted a relationship with them, even though they had broken his rules. And so fast forward now, a few thousand years, when God is, is uh, walking in the garden again, this time as Jesus, right? Walking among the people, hanging out with them. But the religious leaders, they were all about the rules. Because the rules gave them power. It gave them authority. It allowed them to make themselves look good. And so they put Jesus on the spot in order to make him look bad. And, you know, what, 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 what are the rules, Lord? What's the most important rule? And he just points out what? The greatest commandment, love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All those rules about love sum up really the, the heart of obedience is we're not just following lists of rules, but we're following God because we love him. And that's what Adam and Eve missed out on. They, they weren't following God like they should because they didn't love him. God gives Israel all these rules and about sacrifices and obedience, but really what it all boiled down to is God wanted their hearts. He has always been after the heart. And so Jesus comes along and, you know, he, he devotes the last three years of his life to just walking in the garden with his disciples, right? Doing like everything with them. But when it became time for him to leave, he knew it was time for him to go to the cross. He, uh, he sets them all down in that upper room and he begins to pour out his heart to them, to prepare them for when he would not be with them physically, to leave them a legacy so listen to his words. He says a lot in John chapters 13 through 17. Read the entire thing sometime if you want to see what Jesus' heart is like. But he says in chapter 13, My children, I'm only going to be with you a little longer. So a new command I give you, love one another. Wasn't like a new command. They'd always been told to love one another. But, you know, a new kind of love. How? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, right? I'm not going to be here with you physically much longer. And dads and moms, that's true for us too. One day we're not going to be here for our kids or our grandkids. And what kind of legacy are we going to leave for them to guide them, that, that, that will be with them? Jesus says, here's mine. It's a new command to love like I loved you. In fact, he, he says it again in chapter 14. If you love me, keep my command. And again, just a few verses later, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Did you get the connection there? If you love me, you'll obey my, my, my teaching. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my teaching. And if that weren't enough, chapter 15, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command. So you see that connection of love and obedience. I mean, I've got all the rules. You know, we've got all these rules, but we mess up on the rules. We choose rules over relationship, right? A lot of law over love. And really, Jesus' compelling force in our lives is, I want you to do these things, not so that you've checked them off on this to-do list or, or this, uh, this uh, legalistic code, but I want you to do these things for the right reason, because you love me, because you trust me. 
really because you, you want to be with me and be like me. Jesus loves them, and he passes down these rules and practices and truths. But outside of a genuine context of relationship, love, you know, without that love, it just leaves you with a, an empty religion, with an empty relationship, with an empty home. And I think some of us are probably a lot more skilled at fighting to win the argument than we are to fight to win the heart. More skilled at making sure our kids are keeping the rules and cleaning their room and getting the grades and making the team than we are, you know, fighting for their hearts. Which is why we need to know this big idea. Know the wind. It's their heart. What are you really trying to win? To to win your way? To win... uh, the, the, all the rules being done right, or are you trying to win their heart? That's the win. No one, you could go to the greatest destination ever, but if you don't want to go there alone, you want to take them with you. Because even though uh, you may be right, you may have the greatest intentions and plans, you can still lose their respect. You can lose their hearts along the way. Chap Clark, he is a, a youth culture expert. He says it like this, moms and dads, need to see their parental role as a marathon, it's a long trip, recognizing that building a relationship in which their child, what, trusts them is even more important than whether they can trust their child regarding the immediate issues of the day. I think most parents would buy into that myth that passing, you know, if we just give them the reasons for the rules, if we just explain the reasoning behind our rules, then that, that's going to win the day, Right? But I don't know, I don't, I don't think I've ever <laughs> explained the reason to my kids. Like, here's why I want you to keep these rules. And it's just about a rule. I've never seen them walking away like, oh, that makes so much sense. You, that, you explained that wonderfully, Dad. I absolutely am going to do it now that you explained it. <laughs> they want to know that, <laughs> that I love them, that I'm, I've got their heart through, through all this. Because you can debate the reasons all day long, but you can't debate the relationship. Jesus says, look, if... You may not get all this, you may not understand all this, you may not even want to do all this, but if you love me, if you only knew me, if you knew how much I've done for you, if you really knew who I am, you will want to do this, you will want to obey. He is so hyper-focused on the relationship. If you love me, if you trust me, because love equals action, which equals trust. Yeah, love, love is action needs to be demonstrated, needs to be spoken. Words demonstrate love, too. They're essential to to gaining trust or, you know, to losing trust. And so whether you're a parent, kid, student, employee, employer, um, friend, if you want to build trust, they got to know, you know, you have their heart. You're going after their heart. Not a selfish love that says, well, I'll love you if, if you'll do this or if you'll obey me. It's just just love. I'm just going to love you. And here's, here's a simple list to kind of know if we're doing this. These are super practical in building trust with your spouse and your kids and your friends. And it's actually one that we've already seen in our last series as we were going through 1 Corinthians. And we got to chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does that describe your kind of love, even when, you know, they disobey? Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. It's not proud. Can you admit when you're proud, when, you know, you're, you're using your age, your authority as a boast? It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Do you yell at others? Do you belittle them? Do you call them names? Do Say whatever you want because you have the right to do that. Well, maybe, but that's still dishonoring. 
And young people, do you dishonor your parents? Because if you're doing that, then that destroys relationships. It destroys trust. And it's not easily angered. Love doesn't, doesn't blame someone for making me act that way, for getting angry, you know, for making people walk on eggshells around me, uh, reminding me of, of all the ways that I've, you know, I've messed up. I mean, trust, trust doesn't say, you know, you made me do this. It's, it's a choice to act that way. To, and, and not to, to call them out and call them names. You know, you're so, you're so stupid. You're, so, you're an idiot. You're, you're so stubborn. Whatever. That's not what love does. It, and it keeps no record of wrongs. We don't keep bringing up the past. All the ways they've messed up before. P- kids, you know, you, you don't, when you get into an argument with your parents, you don't even bring up all the ways that they've let you down before either. Arguments, all that stuff. It's not about reminding about the past. You're not fighting to win an argument. You're fighting for the person, for their heart. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. I mean, do you, do you secretly harbor a little bit of delight when they, when they get what they deserve? You know, maybe a little bit, right? I mean, do you find yourself telling your kids lies to get them to do what you want them to do? I mean, how are they going to trust you if you keep misleading them and using deception to get them to do whatever you want, bribing them with stuff that you never come through on, promising things you never come through on? How are they going to trust you? Love chooses truth. And that it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I get it. It can be so frustrating when they're always saying, why, why, why can't I? But instead of ignoring them or shutting them down, maybe we can learn to ask a few questions to, to make sure we know what's going on in their lives, to ask them, what's the big deal right now with you? What's going on? Why are you so anxious about that? Or why are you so afraid of that? Because love hopes and it trusts, especially in times when there's not a fight going on, just on normal everyday times. It takes the time to get to know them. Maybe you get all annoyed at the way they spend time with the, you know, video games and, and their phones and their friends and all that. But have you, ever, have you ever sat down just to talk to them about all those things? Like, why, why do you like that video game? What kind of apps are you, are you playing with? You know, what, what are your friends like? And love protects through all that, right? We're not, we're not just saying whatever you want to do is fine. We're going to protect them. But it's making sure that it's coming from a place of love. Look, I, I don't know why this is so counterintuitive for us. Maybe it's because we're so hyper-focused on, on, on other stuff instead of our spouse and our kids and our friends. If we could just love them like that, they would want to go with us to this preferred destination. You know, I used to... And maybe I still do. I probably am not great at this yet. I wanted to get my kids to like what I like, right? And I can't understand why they like the things that they like. So what do I do? I make fun of it. I put them down for the stuff that they like. And that's when I have to catch myself, you know. And so I'm, I'm riding with my 22-year-old in the car last night, you know, the, the one like this. You know, we're, we're, we're in the car last night driving along, and he's playing his music. You know, <laughs> For like 45 minutes, I'm listening to his music. And everything in me wants to just make fun of it, you know. But I, I listen to it. Listen to what he liked. So I can enter into his world instead of conforming him to mine. That's trust building. 
Look at this image on the screen. This is what love does. It affects everything. It affects your friends, dating, family, media, church, sports, school. Love is a part of all of that because when love is involved in all of those activities and conversations, it builds trust. And your, your, your knowledge doesn't always do that. Here's, here's, again, Jesus is our model. He demonstrates this. He declares it, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So think about that for your family. Imagine if your kids were to say, my dad loves me so much that he, he was always patient with me. He was always kind to me. My dad loved my mom so much that you know, he wasn't easily angered. He, he loved me so much that that made me, it made a difference. It made me able to love him, to trust him. He never demanded it. He demonstrated it. And because of that, that's what I want to do for my kids. I want to pass it down to, to the future generations after me. That's the legacy I want to leave. That's the legacy that lasts. And listen, I know if you're not a Christ follower right now, if you're not somebody who follows the Bible, I, I get that. Um, but I, can I still challenge you to give this a try? To try this out this week, this new way of thinking according to God's word, and see what happens. See if it doesn't make a difference. And then you come back next week because we're going to talk about the next step in leaving a legacy that lasts. You've got to make it personal. We'll talk about that. But right now I want to give you some practical things again this week to start building this legacy, you know, this big idea. Know the when. It's the heart. Ask these questions, all right? What was I going after in our last few arguments? <laughs> what was I really trying to win there? Do I try to build trust or constantly expect them to earn my trust. Does my love look like this list, this 1 Corinthians 13 list? And how can I begin to fight for their heart? Do you need to make some changes? So I want you to get that list. You, don't, you can take a picture of the screen or you can do this. You can text the word legacy to that number again this week, 890-5454. And it, you can also check in on our Wi-Fi on that. And it's going to give you last week's list and this week's legacy builder list as well got some questions. It's got some practical ways, whether you're, you're married, you're single, single parent, any of that, to build this legacy that lasts. And, and I'll tell you where it may begin with. You might just have to humble yourself and be honest and begin to do some apologizing, you know, that you haven't fought for their hearts like you should have been. You admit you messed up, and you don't apologize selfishly. You don't say, yeah, I was wrong, but you made it so hard. You know, one of those non-apology apologies. You just suck it up. You, you, you take the bullet and you say, you know what? There were times I chose not to be patient with you, and I'm sorry. Times I chose not to act kindly, to say kind words toward you. And I apologize for that. And you're saying, look... I want to show you from now on how much I love you. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be any rules in our household anymore. It just means that I am committed to love you better, to have a good relationship with you even when we disagree, to build trust because your heart is more important to me. That's what I want to win. And God's done an awful lot to win your heart by giving his son for you. So let's pray together. Lord, I want to pray for so many families right now. Um, we, our family's got issues, Lord. They really do, so many times. Um, nobody else knows what's going on behind those closed doors, but there's struggle, there's heartache, there's bitterness, 
Um, sometimes we live like strangers under the same roof, God. But you bring peace, you bring healing, you bring grace. Break down the pride. Help us to humble ourselves to our families, to show them our hearts. God, give us the strength that comes from your spirit living in us to do better at this, Lord. Give us, give us this conviction that's so counterintuitive to choose to fight for the hearts that are fight to win, fight for my rights and my authority. Help me to break through any hearts, God, in my home that are, that are hardened. Help me to begin to lead that legacy that lasts. Father, we're praying not only for parents, but for grandparents, for aunts and uncles, anyone who has influence on the next generation and the ones to come after that, Father. Help us to point them all to Jesus. That's why he sent a son for you, because the rules, all the commandments, they're good, they're right. They help us to do the right thing, but we don't do them well. And yet God still loves us. Even when we fail, mess up, he never stops pursuing you. That's exactly why he sent Jesus into the world, to win your heart, so you can see how much he loves you. When Jesus dies, is to forgive you of your sins so that you will transfer your trust from yourself to him. Because you can't save yourself. You can't make yourself right with God. Maybe you need to do that right now. If you're watching online, you can do this today as well. I'm going to invite anybody who needs to make that decision for the first time to start following Christ to do that. And if you're online, just contact us this week. We would love a chance to get to answer your questions, to talk with you, to pray with you help you in your journey to get to the right destination. God wants more than anything for you to arrive at his destination, to be with him forever. If you've never been baptized into Christ, we make that opportunity available every week, in fact, every day, anytime you're ready to give your heart to Christ, your allegiance, your, your, your commitment. You can do it right now, after the service, we're going to, whatever time you're ready. We'll be ready to meet.